Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. If you are tuning in for the first time, we have been on this series called Disruptive Disciples. Now, this isn't disruptive, go out and we want, we want, or whatever, protest. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being disruptive in a good way. Being disruptive, bringing change. Being disruptive in a positive way. So I've got a little bit of a, I got a really short, cool little video kind of clip thing that I think is such a good picture or a good illustration of what we mean when we talk about this disruptive thing when it comes to being a follower of Jesus. So take a look at this. watch that all day long. Well, not really, but it's kind of cool. You see this seed that is coming out of its shell and bursting out of the ground. Well, that seed is like God's kingdom. Listen to what Jesus said. He said in Mark 4, 26 to 29, then Jesus said, God's kingdom is like a seed thrown on a field by a man who then goes to bed and forgets about it. The seed sprouts and grows. He has no idea how it happens. The earth does it all without his help. First, a green stem of grass, then a bud, then a ripened grain. When the grain is fully formed, he reaps harvest time. And here's the thing. One of the dynamics about being a follower of Jesus is we're part of or we carry this new life in us. It's this kingdom life. And somebody described God's kingdom like this. They said, it's God's, the way of heaven on earth. That's what God's kingdom is like. It's this, this new way of doing life. And it's this kingdom life that Jesus described here like a seed that is breaking through. It's breaking, it's this new life, and it's breaking in over the old. Now, what do we mean when we talk about old? Well, we're talking about a world that is kind of broken. It's like actually really broken. <laughs> But that's what we're talking about. It's this, this kingdom, God's kingdom, his, the way of heaven here on earth that's breaking in over the old broken world, a world that's full of pain, a world that's full of heartbreak and frustration and you know anxiety and all the other things that we really struggle with or whether externally or internally in our day-to-day -day life is, but this is where God's kingdom is breaking through. And, and just like when that seed, it starts to break through, it disrupts the ground. 
there's this disruptive element. It's this, the seed is coming out in its little shell and it pushes up and it disrupts the soil. And, and at first the thing looks kind of ugly. It doesn't look really great. You're kind of like, what the heck is this? I don't understand this. I don't know what this is about. But then as it grows, you start to see the beauty of it, that what it actually, what that seed actually is, starts to become more visible. And I think this is such a beautiful picture of what we carry as God's children, what as followers of Jesus, we're part of this new kingdom life. And so in the process and of this seed coming out, it's bringing new life. And I, and I actually think this kind of gives some great context to our lives, to some of the, the, maybe we feel like there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of stuff about our life and maybe you've experienced this in following Jesus or maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus and you're kind of observing things and you're kind of not sure and it kind of looks a bit like, I don't know what's going on here. Well, there's this disruptive thing about God's life that's coming out and bringing newness. There's this powerful, kingdom life it's resurrection life it's god's love it's his life it's hope it's his rightness and and god's kingdom is actually it's everything our hearts are longing for and it's coming into our world it's coming into this broken world and sometimes it doesn't make sense in it it doesn't look like it's great but it actually is because god's behind it and he's doing something good so it's a good disruption and so this is what we've been talking about over the last couple weeks about disruptive disciples, how to live unstuck in a sticky world. Now, I know about you, but it's really easy. Our world is quite sticky. It's filled with stuff like fear and anxiety and worry and stress and all the other things, anger and division. And it's, I don't know about you, but I don't wanna get stuck in any of that stuff. And so today we are talking about a disruptive focus, disruptive focus. What disrupts your focus? You can write that in the comments right now. What disrupts your focus? Well, and actually when we're talking about disruptive focus, that kind of sounds like an oxymoron. You know what an oxymoron is? Well, for all you grammar people, it's just, it's just like, well, that doesn't make sense. How can that be? Because usually when we think of, uh, when we think of like a disruption, it usually messes up our focus, right? Like your kids come in, you're having a nice quiet coffee and your kids come in and there's chaos. They disrupted your focus when you're trying to read or trying to eat or trying to do something or whatever you were doing. They, there's that disruption, but we're talking about disruptive focus. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, I will show you in just a little bit. We're gonna jump in. See, the world, the world that we live in, and I think especially in this season, in the space that we're in, or maybe maybe it might relate to the place in life where you're at right now. It feels like there is just a lot of chaos going on, maybe externally, maybe internally. Maybe there's a lot of uncertainty. There's you know a lot of things going on in our world that if we're not mindful, if we're not careful, we're gonna get, we're gonna, we're only gonna see what's wrong. And, and sometimes that's, you know, seasons of life, it's kind of, kind of hard not to see that. It's all we just, we see what's not working. We see the problems. We see what's frustrating, what's causing anxiety, what's causing stress. And, and again, we don't want to get stuck in that place. We don't want to get stuck in that in life. So what's the solution? Well, I want to read 
something from a book. It was actually a letter that was written to some people a long time ago when they were in a really hard place in life. It was a really challenging place, actually in history. And um, I want to, if, especially if you were a Jesus follower, this was a time where following Jesus meant you might lose your job or you might lose your head or you might go to prison or life might just be really, really bad. <laughs> and so this letter, it's the book of Hebrews. And I just want to read it and I want to comment on a few things from Hebrews chapter 12. And, you know, to be honest, I was, I, I heard, a, heard a message this week that it was, it referred to this verse and it jumped out at me. And, and I really feel this could be some encouraging words for us, for you, wherever you're at right now, wherever you're at in life. I really, I really believe these words can bring encouragement and can, can help us focus and maybe even disrupt our focus in a good way. So I'm reading Hebrews chapter 12, and this is in the message version, and it's just, man, it's so good. Listen to this. It says the writer, we don't know who the writer was, but he was writing to the Jesus followers who many of them were hiding out. They were fearful for their lives. They weren't sure about what was going to happen the next day. Am I going to have a job? Am I going to have a home? Am I going to have a head? <laughs> Am I going to what's going to happen? And this was, the, this was the encouragement that the writer, he said, Hebrews 12.1, sorry, 12.2, he said, Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Man, I love that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. How do we walk as disciples? What does it mean to have a disruptive focus? How do you disrupt your focus from all the stuff that's so distracting in our world, the stuff that can drain us? Well, keep your eyes on Jesus. That is my, that is my encouragement. That is my, my call to you. And I'm speaking this over my own life today. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. You know, the race, a lot of times when, you know, I ran track and field when I was in high school and maybe you run too. When we think of race, we think of who's the fastest, who gets to the end, who finishes. And, you know, I kind of think that even in life, you know, if we approach, you know, life like a race, it's like, Who's the est? Who's the fastest? The greatest? Am I the best? Am I whatever? But you know, this race that we're in, it's not a est. Who's the fastest race? It's actually a race of endurance. Who can stay standing? Will you endure? Will you stay standing? But Jesus, keep your eyes on Jesus. He began and finished this race we're in. Look at this. It goes on. It says, study how he did it. How did Jesus do this? Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish. In one version, it says the joy. He, he was looking ahead in joy. And this is what's crazy. Because what was he looking forward to? What was he facing? He never lost sight of where he was headed that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. You know, there's seasons and, you know, depending on where you live right now, if you're in Alberta, we've had some interesting more restrictions put on us. And it's like, again, seriously, we're here again. 
you know what, do we have to, how long do we have to put up with this? Or, you know, maybe you're in a place or a season of life that there's just stuff going on and it's, again, maybe it's hit with another unexpected financial thing or another unexpected health crisis or another unexpected relationship crisis or just another unexpected whatever. And you might be thinking again, like how long do I have to put up with this? You know what, this is where Jesus, we keep focused on Jesus, study how he did it. He put up with anything. That's hard. He put up with anything. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. Now here's the encouragement. This is, he says, when you find yourself flagging in your faith, Go over that story again, man. This is the story, the story of what Jesus, how he walked through the cross, that cross-formed life. That's the story that we remind ourselves that we're a part of. There is a narrative going on in our world today that would try to tell us life is futile, life is hard, you're all alone, this is doomed, it's hopeless, despair, it's terrible, or whatever. But you know what, there is another story, and it is a good story that our lives are part of. Go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that Jesus plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. You know what, see, this is what we gotta, this is what we look at how Jesus, how he did the race. We keep our eyes on Jesus, not just what Jesus did, but we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. I'm gonna keep reading. And this all out match against sin, and you know what, sin isn't just the bad stuff. You know, we get so caught up in sin being the bad stuff people do, the bad stuff I did, or the bad stuff we shouldn't do. You know what sin is? Sin is just the messed up reality of the world that we live in, our whole world. Sin, that word means to miss the mark, and it's just, the whole thing is missing the mark of what God intended it to be. But in this all-out match against sin, others have suffered far worse than you. Oh, I don't like to hear that, but it's true. So to, to say nothing of what Jesus went through, all that bloodshed, oh gosh, here, here, listen to this. This is not me, this is the Bible. So don't feel sorry for yourselves. Or have you forgotten how good parents treat children and that God regards you as his children? My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline. Don't be crushed by it either. The child that he loves, he disciplines. The child he embraces, he corrects. And look, it jumps down. He's treating you as your children. The trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. Ah! God is a punishment. We see discipline as punishment, but that's not what that word's talking about. It's training. God is training us. It is a training program. He's not just training us how to live life now. He's training us for life in eternity with him in his kingdom, his kingdom. You know, I love that. Embrace God's training. God's doing what is best for us. He's training. That word training is in this whole passage over and over. Training, training, training. At the time, training or discipline isn't much fun. No, it feels like it's going against the grain. Later, it pays off big time. For it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And you know, when when we are living in a time and place of disruption, again, whether it's a disruption in the world around us or it's a disruption in us, there's so much that can loom large. So much that, you know, and I just even now in our world, there's 
I mean, you go on the social media, the news, and it's just like, there are so many issues. It's just like, it's racism, and then it's Afghanistan, and then it's this social justice issue, and this the election, and this restriction, or that issue, or the stuff going on inside us, and we're just like, oh, there's so much. Like, where do you focus? You keep your eyes on Jesus. You keep your eyes on Jesus. And you know what? This is what a disruptive focus is actually about. It's keeping our eyes on Jesus. It's keeping our focus on Jesus when it's really easy to get distracted. And, and you know, distractions, man, they're emotionally draining because everything clamors for attention and we can't fix everything. We can't give our attention to every issue that comes up. We can't fix it all, but you know who can? Jesus can. Jesus can. And, you know, there's another great story. And, you know, if you grew up in church or into Sunday school, you might be familiar with the story of, you know, a guy who, who actually had a very interesting experience about what happens when you take your eyes off Jesus. And it's a story of Peter, and it's in this book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 14. And, you know, I'll just, this, this is what happened. Maybe you remember it was right after Jesus. He was with his disciples. They had this massive, miraculous feeding, little boy's lunch, five loaves, two fish. Jesus prays over it, blesses it. The disciples start passing it out, and it feeds 5,000 people. Well, right after that, they're going down to the lake. The disciples think Jesus is going to get in the boat with them. And he's like, no, no, I need you to get in the boat now. I need you to go now. And then Jesus takes up on a mountain and he's gone. And guess what? They're on the lake and this mother of all storms erupts. Now, it was bad. These fishermen, these weren't just like, hey, we're going out fishing for the day, you know, having a fun time. No, these were fishermen. This was their livelihood. And they were freaking out. So we know this was like the storm they would have heard about growing up from their dad, their grandpa, talking about the big storm. This was it. And about three o'clock in the morning, it said, this is what's so crazy. The disciples are freaking out. Jesus was walking on the water towards them, and they think it's a ghost. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in fear. They said, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, take courage, I'm here. Now, Peter is just crazy. Listen to what Peter says. I would not have said this if I thought a ghost, hello, was on the water. But Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So, Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Now, when Peter stopped looking at Jesus, what happened? He began to sink. He got distracted. The storm around him started to distract him. The storm, in other words, the issues surrounding him. And it might be the same for you, whether it's a storm or just a lot of stuff, might be very real. But here's the interesting thing. Jesus actually sent them right into the storm. Jesus had purpose 
in what he was doing. See, keeping our eyes on Jesus, not getting distracted, is about, it is, is, it's not about ignoring our world. It's not about putting our hand, head in the sand and just going la, 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 you know, and not paying attention to anything. That's not what I'm talking about. What it is, it's about keeping, keeping our eyes on the only one who is the answer. It's about keeping our focus, keeping our gaze on the only one who can bring about change, the only one who is able to calm the storm, who not only can calm the storm, but keeping our eyes on the only one who knows the purpose of the storm. See, this was actually a training moment for Peter. And Jesus wasn't really training Peter how to walk on water. You know how I know this? Look at this. Peter went, this, this was so crazy. Peter went over the side of the boat, walks on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified, began to sink, save me. And it says Jesus immediately reached out and he grabbed him. So you know what that means? Peter had gotten out of the boat. He walked far enough away from the boat that he was freaking out. So he wasn't just sitting on the edge, putting his feet in and like, oh, I've decided I'm not going to go in the boat. He'd walk far enough away from the boat. He got close enough to Jesus that Jesus could immediately reach out and grab Peter when he started to sink. But look at this. After Jesus said, why'd you doubt, blah, 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 blah. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. So guess what? Peter actually did walk on water. Not once, but it looks like he walked on water twice. Walked on water, ah, freaks out, starts to think, Jesus grabs him, and then together, looks like they're walking back, getting into the boat. They climbed back into the boat. What was the lesson that Jesus was trying to teach Peter? It wasn't about walking on water. It wasn't about doing the impossible. The lesson that Jesus was teaching Peter was stay focused on me, Peter. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. You know what? There's just such a cool scene. If you've ever seen The Hobbit, I think it's I think it's The Hobbit third movie. I don't even know what that's actually called. But there's a scene in this movie where one of the characters, Bard is his name, and he's with his son Bane, and they are in this all-out match to defeat the the horrible dragon Smog. And Smog is this dragon. He's terrorizing this village. He's come in. He's torched the whole place. It's in fire. People are screaming and running for their lives. And Bard is there, and he is facing off against the dragon. And the dragon Smog and his son, Bard's son Bane, is right there, and he's. And the kid is scared for his life, and the dragon, he sees his son, and he says this. He said, is that your child? You cannot save him from the fire. He will burn. Smog, he goes on to say, tell me, wretch, how do you challenge me? You have nothing left but your death. And so what Bard does, he grabs this massive arrow. It's actually more like a huge spear. And he starts putting it in between. It's this big kind of looks like a catapult kind of thing. And he's lining it up. He's pulling in. He's, he's got these straps that he's getting ready to mount this, this big spear arrow in it. And the dragon is far off and he's massive. And he knows he's only got one shot. He's got this, he's got this huge spear. And his son is there standing in front of him. And because this thing is so long, he needs a brace. And so his son is standing in a few feet in front of him and Bard puts the arrow on his son's shoulder to steady it. And so his son has got, he's surrounded by flames, 
facing his father. He's scared for his life because he hears the dragon smog coming in and he's got barreling down with his, his, his fearsomeness and he's roaring and in this one scene, Bane is turned out, he hears the dragon coming and mocking them and he starts to turn around in fear and Bard right away, he looks at him, he says, Bane, you look at me, Bane, look at me. You keep your eyes on me and he pulls the, the big spear back and he lets it go and he nails the dragon right in the heart and he kills the dragon and it's the most epic scene. In fact, we're gonna try to put the clip in comments that after we're done here, you wanna go watch that scene because it's so powerful, it's so cool. But you know what, I love that because I think it's such a picture of God the Father saying, you look at me, of Jesus saying, you look at me, you keep your eyes on me. You might have the dragon fiercely fire breathing down your neck, coming in, mocking you. You keep your eyes on me. See, why do we keep our eyes on Jesus? Why do we keep our eyes on Jesus? Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. You know why? Because he is Lord because Jesus is king. When we have all sorts of things going on in our world that we feel like we are powerless against, we feel like is nobody in charge here? What's going on? Is nobody doing anything good? We have a king, we have a leader, we have their, Jesus is Lord. He is ruling over it all and there are times where it might not look like he's doing anything, but he is. And we keep our eyes fixed on him because Jesus is Lord. You know, scripture also says, 1 Corinthians 1, 24, it says Jesus is the power of God. He doesn't just give us power. Jesus is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1, 24 also says that Jesus is wisdom. Jesus doesn't just give us wisdom. He is wisdom. He is the wisdom of God. Ephesians 2, 14 says Jesus is our peace. He doesn't just give us peace. He is our peace. He is your peace. He doesn't just give us hope. 1 Timothy 1.1 says Christ is our hope. Jesus is our hope. Why do we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? Well, because he is our rock, 1 Corinthians 10.4. He is that stability when everything around us is shaking. He is that unshakable, immovable rock. He is never changing. He is never changing. We keep focused on Jesus. He is light. And when you feel like the lights have been turned out, you feel like you are sitting in a dark space. Jesus doesn't just come to bring light. He is light, Luke 2, 32. He is the word of life. He, Jesus, 1 John 5, 20, he is real life. He doesn't just give us life. He is real life. He is unchanging. And Jesus is Savior. John 4, 42. So you want peace? You keep your eyes focused on Jesus because he is peace. You want hope? You keep your eyes focused on Jesus because he is hope. He doesn't want to just come. He doesn't just come to bring us hope. He comes to be hope for us. He comes to be peace. And friend, I really believe that for you. I believe in this season. Man, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race. He wants to offer you more than peace. He wants to offer you more than hope. He wants to offer you more than safety and power and wisdom. He doesn't want to just give you those things. He wants to give you himself. And I want to invite you to pray. Can we pray together? Can you, will you pray with me now? And I really believe that there's, God is just going to do something supernatural to give you a supernatural ability to focus on him like never before. I want to encourage you and take this 
Hebrews 12. Let these words sink in you. Go over it again. I was reading out of the message translation. It is a powerful translation. But let this, let those words sink into you. So Jesus, even just pray this with me now. Say, Jesus, help me to focus. Help me to keep my eyes fixed on you. And you know, I want to pray one more prayer too. And you know, I want to read, you know, Hebrews 12 in the Passion where it says, Jesus, this is so powerful. It says, because Jesus' heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. See, why was Jesus able to endure something as hard as a cross? Because he was looking at you. He was looking at me. He was looking at us. And he was saying, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do this for salvation. I'm going to do this for saving you. Friend, if you have never said yes to following Jesus, if you said never said yes to this salvation, you know what? I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me as a way of receiving this wonderful gift of salvation that Jesus has given to us to say, Jesus, thank you for this gift of salvation, this gift of a new way of life, of being able to live focused on you no matter what is going on around me. I say yes to this new way of life, to following you. Thank you for a new start today. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.